Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Recording Podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, uh, my name is Philip. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken Church, and we start a brand new series this week called "Would You Be My Neighbor?" So, you know, I rocked the red sweater, even though it's 90 degrees outside today, just because I want to help bring some Mr. Rogers into your life as we kind of talk about a new series pertaining to hospitality and how we, as the church, can really step into maybe some new ways for you, but also really go back to scripture and see what are some ways that we can better reflect the heart of Jesus for people. And really the scripture narrative at large has always been one about welcoming in both the neighbor and the outsider. And so as a church, we do this emphatically through the lens of missional communities and through the relationships that we have that are so important. And so we believe that there is such a huge priority uh, for us as believers, a calling put on our lives to not only love those within the family of God well, which is critical, but also be a safe haven, an open home, and uh, a shoulder uh, for people who are outside of the family of God at this point. And hopefully in that process, usher them closer and closer to steps that they would take towards becoming a part of the family of God. And so really this series, as we lean into it, is one that hopefully will uh, challenge you to step out a little bit, uh, fully aware that we're obviously in the midst of COVID. And so hospitality right now looks very unique. We're obviously doing virtual worship gatherings because we in our community feel like we can't really represent the DNA of our church well in the worship spaces that we have uh, indoors right now. And so as a result of that, we've been you know, doing virtual worship gatherings since the middle of March. And as of right now, that's going to be the way that we continue to go until you hear otherwise from us. So I, I understand that the, the questions and some of the content in this series that we're going to go through, again, may feel a little bit odd given your dynamic. But I would say for most of us, this idea of hospitality is more of a heart issue than it is a practical issue. And so before we can get to some of the practical steps needed, I think a lot of us need to have some self-evaluation, do some assessments in our families, our schedules, our routines, our spending, all those things that are gonna be reflected in this conversation about what biblical hospitality looks like so that when things, when, when the opportunity and, and things do arise for us to be able to, uh, you know, meet with people, share our table, um, in other ways that you feel comfortable, then your heart and your mind are in sync with your actions at that point. Some of you have already begun in safe ways to have dinners with friends, whether that's out at restaurants or in your homes. Some of you are more comfortable with that than others. And again, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I do wanna encourage you to find ways in which you are currently comfortable um, pertaining to the safety of everything related to the coronavirus uh, for you and your family and find ways to live this out well. Um, again, I think this series 
in its entirety is really going to challenge some of the fabrics and makeups that we carry within our homes, our family values, and that is really designed to cause potentially a reset for many of us. And maybe you're already doing a lot of these things well, and so maybe there's just a next step that maybe God wants to encourage you to take in this. But the ultimate goal is really that we would make a few radical or what will feel like radical changes probably to a lot of us in our lives and in the ways in which we do hospitality that eventually they would become ordinary over time to our family to our neighbors and to the ways that we do life but that shift is going to require sacrifice it's going to require selflessness and it's really going to require us to press into uh, giving space and freedom for the holy spirit to infiltrate our lives our homes and our routines in ways that we're being obedient to what scripture and what really Christ has modeled for us throughout the gospels. And so you know, most of us, I really believe, and maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of us, especially if you're not a natural evangelist uh, on, on the APEST model that we use sometimes, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and shepherds, if you're not if you're not a natural evangelist, a lot of us struggle with knowing how to talk to someone who we would consider as an unbeliever, um, whether they're your literal neighbor or just a neighbor in the general sense of someone that you come in contact with, acquaintance at work, um, a colleague, or even just someone you would bump into at the grocery store, Starbucks, whatever the case is. A lot of us don't know what to say. And what ends up happening is for a lot of people, especially within the American church over the last several decades, there's been a couple different ways that you can respond to this idea of, of trying to figure out how you talk to people that aren't a part of the family of God. The first way that many people have responded is they begin to, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, but mostly consciously, they begin to build these protective walls around their family structures, around their lives, around their routines, so that to not confuse their way of doing life as a believer with the way of the world. And the intentions might be pure, but really we don't see that too often in scripture, that holiness by default means to be set apart. But we don't see this idea of protective walls being part of what really God's design was for holiness, that there are ways even in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament where God would call the nation of Israel to look and act and do things very differently than the ways of this world. Uh, but these were specific to them and how they interacted with themselves most of the time. Uh, and so a lot of this is, is something that we kind of create as a protective nature, but it ends up resulting, I think, in some really unhealthy, dangerous, uh, slippery slopes, if you will. Because really what happens is these walls end up becoming castles that we build. And we reside in these castles. We're well protected by our, our giant walls. We have uh, this very convenient drawbridge that we can uh, let down or you know open or close based on who we want to be able to come into our life. And just for an extra protective measure, we've built a moat just to make sure that you know nothing can get to us. And the world sees those castles, drawbridges, and moats. And by default, it creates not only the very opposite of hospitality, it creates friction and it causes a lot of people to create this us versus them mentality, which you know we've been talking a lot about. That chasm between us and the world is really so different from anything we see in the life of Jesus 
especially, but really what we see throughout the entire narrative of scriptures that really it's something that for all of us, we aren't uh, or we're not called to live in these castles. We're not called to hide behind our moats and drawbridges, that there is this very inviting nature of the gospel that we are called to step into. And that inviting nature is scary for a lot of people. And so I acknowledge that, that I know it is it can be scary, but I also think that that's part of the challenge of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, the other response, uh, maybe if you will, on the other side of, of the uh, of the road, the other extreme, is that I think sometimes people can just kind of blur their life with everyone else's and it leads to compromising situations. It can lead to moments where uh, maybe you feel like you're not walking with the Lord out of obedience in that moment because you gave in to what other people were doing or what they thought of you. Um, it can lead to a lot of things that really begins to tear down any sense of holiness in the, in the good sense of you being set apart that really what makes you different from those around you should not just be that you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit but also in the ways in which you conduct yourself you know the Bible talks a lot about you know not complaining uh, being an encourager being someone who brings positivity uh, being a light being salt, being something that's different, um, but not absent. And I think that's the biggest difference here in the two extremes is one removes you entirely for the most part, and the other uh, drowns you in and makes your life look no different. That there's this ability to be present, but also different, that being uh, a good, hospitable, Christ-following uh, um, neighbor would, would call us out into. And so, I think some of these steps that we're going to look at today and throughout this series are going to, again, feel radical, but hopefully they lead to it becoming ordinary. And I, I really hope that for this series, but especially this week as we kind of get things rolling, as you reflect on even like the life of Jesus as one of the, the, the main people, obviously, that we're called to um, not just imitate, that's the obvious one, but really study the life uh, and the example that Christ set for us, you know, Jesus uh, dined with sinners, but didn't sin with sinners, right? To Jesus, he lived in the world, uh, but was not like the world. And it's that very concept that for so many of us, we know that intellectually, but we struggle with how we as Christ followers can walk that out because there's a fear that we're just going to, again, fall into one of those two extremes and how the world has typically handled not knowing what to do with our non-believing relationships around us, our neighbors who don't yet follow Jesus. I want to read a passage to you. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is Paul. He says it this way. He said, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You know, for all of us, this idea of us being believers who are a part of the family of God, we are moved closer and closer to becoming like Christ. At least that's the goal of what we should be doing. But we're all, as humanity, made in the image of God. We are all, as humanity, drawn closer towards finding ways of, of positioning ourselves and moving ourselves it, towards the people in our lives that we know look and reflect the image of God. But, but for all of us on that spectrum, we can't deny that there is this divine uh, dignity that God has placed within each of us. 
And so we believe that Imago Dei, that, that image bearer of, of who God is, is placed within all of us. But for those of us who have had that veil removed, that we can see and know the power of the cross, we know that we're sinners, and yet we find joy and freedom in the power of grace and forgiveness. And on this side of heaven, we believe that through the partnership of the Holy Spirit, we can see this world become a better place. For those of us who that is true, we have the challenge of reflecting Jesus, even when it's inconvenient, expensive, difficult, challenging, or it rocks the boat of our routines. So we don't want to live in either extremes, this idea of being you know, completely absent from the world around us, but also looking nothing like anything that Jesus really calls us to as believers. There is a beautiful holiness where we are present and also different. And we see, again, that modeled so well in the life of Jesus. I, I know in my life, it, it's something that I have always loved doing is opening up my home. Uh, you know, for me, some of my favorite memories uh, around hospitality are usually uh, ones that start in three or four in the afternoon around meal prep, and they, uh, it involves dinner with people coming over, uh, maybe an appetizer beforehand, uh, wine during dinner or after dinner, and next thing you know, it's nine, ten o'clock, and we've been I've been dealing with food in some capacity and people for hours on end. That is the highlight of my kind of hospitality. I love it. You can't put a price tag on those experiences. Maybe for you, you have some things that for you in your home, uh, you really lean into. Uh, maybe your home is more of a revolving door of, you know, grab and go and, and people coming and going. Uh, but there's so much joy that comes from that chaos in your life. For others, you know, whether it's about your personality or just maybe the ways in which you've conducted yourselves. And obviously, I get COVID has made this different in this season. But I would say, you know, this isn't really about a personality um, piece. I think that can be an easy excuse or default that for a lot of us, we say, well, that's not really my thing, or that's not really how our family does things. And, and I would push up against that to say that we're not asking you or challenging you. And I don't think God or scriptures are calling you and challenging you to be different than how God has wired you and created you. I think that would be very uh, opposite of really what God wants for you. But I, I do think that within each of our personality types and the giftings that God's given us, the practicality of what hospitality looks like and the radical steps that maybe need to shift in your life will look different. So, you know, for me, it may look like four or five nights of the week having things going on or my, my finances reflecting someone who always has a stocked fridge because I'm going to make dinner all the time for people. You know, whatever the case is, I would say for each one of us, we have to figure out how we move forward in that. For you, it may be a night or two. It may be, you know, one uh, one relationship a week that you invest in. But no matter who we are as people, we want to find ways of of taking the practices, the values of what we're talking about, and really make sure we move forward with those and not get so much hung up on I don't do it the way that Philip does it or the way that so-and-so does it. That's not what we want to encourage you to do. We want to invite you ultimately to partner with the Holy Spirit and figure out for you what that looks like. I think the next part for all of us is that this really comes down to a trust piece. That when we trust in God's power more than our own limitations, we are reminded that God never gives us any challenge without also the grace to do it. Yes, God is going to call us and challenge us to go 
and step out of our comfort zones to move beyond what we feel like our limitations. But when we trust in the power of the Lord, when we trust in the power of the Spirit to move us towards the things that he's calling us to, we have to also remember that in that process, God has given us the grace to accomplish and to achieve the things that he's put in front of us. But we can never accomplish these things isolated and alone. That the, the beauty of scripture is that we are doing life together in community. That even biblical hospitality is something that invites people to the table and to walk beside us. So again, maybe that's in the pathway of accountability. Maybe for you, that's partnering with people and hosting dinner things together. Maybe you're uncomfortable stepping out on some of this on your own. And so there's some, uh, maybe some, someone in your life who you could have as a thought partner and someone who can encourage you and pray with you um, and maybe begin to think about who are those people in your life that you can begin to reach out to. But I don't think we're ever going to accomplish these uh, and overcome these limitations if we don't first recognize that God's power is, is calling us to step out to move towards people and also remember that simultaneously God's giving us the grace to do that, but putting us with people who will also help us. That it's a partnership with both the spirit and our community around us. The next thing I wanna encourage you in this series to really think through is around building margin into your daily practices. The normal routines in your life, the things that you do every day. And I think when we build margin into our day, we allow our regular routines to be disrupted, but not destroyed. So when we build this margin into our life, we give permission for what I'm going to call these holy interruptions or holy disruptions into your life that are sacred spaces where, you know, although things got shifted a little bit, it's all good. I built space and margin in my life for these things to happen. And maybe that's a, a last minute, you know, adding a plate to the table at dinner because you uh, know someone who's struggling and you wanted to invite them over. Maybe that means uh, instead of, you know, running all the errands you needed to, you stopped by the store and got flowers for a friend and brought them over to their house and just said, hey, I was thinking about you. Maybe that's taking an extra minute to uh, spend a little bit more time on the phone with someone, even though you really have to get on to the next thing. Right, with these little tiny margins that we can create in our regular routines allows us the grace and also the freedom to have these holy disruptions be welcomed into our lives without causing us to feel like they're destroying our schedules. I will be the first one to sit here and tell you that I love a good routine. I love schedules. I'm on time or early to pretty much everything I do and go to. Uh, I have a task list of things I have to accomplish. Um, and so I'm always thinking through the bullet points, the check boxes, the Google calendars, all the things that I've got spending in my life that I have to think through. I love those things and they help keep me sane in many ways. And the idea of giving space and margin and even scheduling in those things to allow for holy disruptions, it causes me to want to push up against that naturally. My, my natural reaction is don't mess with my time, my schedule. These are disruptions. They're destroying things. They're negative. 
And so for me, one of the things that causes me to have radically ordinary changes in my own life is embracing how these disruptions are actually these divine moments that God is sending, that God is allowing these disruptions to build and focus and deepen not only my walk with Christ, but also with other people that God is putting in my life. And in that process, who knows how God might be helping me to point someone towards scripture, towards a local church, towards a family of believers, um, and just towards helping God's kingdom come from heaven to earth. You know, maybe that's in helping in the redemption of all things on this planet. Maybe that's in helping the redemption of all things through the relationships he's put in front of me. But the gospel is not confound to Philip's schedule. And that is an important thing that I have to be reminded of regularly, that I am not limited to that. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, but especially to those in the family of faith. So whenever we have the opportunity, so create opportunities in your life so that whenever the opportunities arise, you can do good to the people around you, especially those within our community or, or your church, wherever you are, whoever you are listening to this and watching this right now, I would say finding ways to create opportunities absolutely begins to invite the Holy Spirit to create radically, but also ordinary disruptions into our life that will lead to some really amazing God moments for us. First Peter chapter two, verses 17 is another passage I want to give you uh, today. And it says this, respect everyone and love the family of believers. You know, for all of us, we have had to move from being a stranger away from God towards being a part of the family of God as believers. We've all made that shift. And it's so easy at times for us to forget that we all started as foreigners, outsiders, aliens, and strangers. But yet the power of the gospel was introduced to us, it changed our lives, and now we're a part of the family of God. And as we understand that change that so often maybe we've forgotten or we've become callous to, it allows us to view our neighbors and those who are still strangers from the good news and from the gospel, it allows us to view them differently. We're able to serve them better. We're able to love them well and introduce them to the gospel. So this passage in, in 1 Peter, respecting everyone is about respecting where they are and learning how to love people within our community well so that the process is seamless. Not everyone is going to move from point A to point B in the same way that you did. But if your life is not surrounded by people both within the family of God and those outside of the family of God who are who you're helping to move in that direction, then it's hard to model out any of these scripture passages that we've looked at today. It's hard to love the family of believers well because our family of believers should be encouraging us to go back into the world just like we, were, we talked about with Jesus, that he was in the world but not of the world, that he dined with sinners but didn't sin with sinners. The church should be encouraging and holding us accountable to live that way. And so if we want to create a Christ-like witness around uh, to the world, but also just around us to our neighbors, it's going to require this very transparent hospitality that we have to invite people into our homes 
and into our lives in such a way that they can see and experience what the good news looks like. If all we ever do is hide in our castles and keep people at distance away from us, then the transparent workings of, of God in our lives and the power of hospitality and welcoming people in is never put on display. We were all strangers once, and God's hospitality welcomed us into the family of God. And that powerful reminder for each of us allows us to tear down the castles, the drawbridges, the moats, and the walls that we've created, and move out into the world as holy people set apart, looking and creating for margin and space for God to be at work. Look, I know that this is going to seem uh, maybe like some radical changes in your life. Maybe for some of you, you're already doing these things. And so I would really encourage you to not view this as a checkbox. Like, oh, I've already, I already do this in some capacity. I would encourage you to really lean into it and press into really what is God calling you to do? What are the action steps in this? And again, I think for a lot of us, it starts with the perspective of kind of where am I at? What is God doing? So as we kind of wrap things up this week, I want to leave you with a few questions that you, that you can discuss in your missional communities and in your families this week. The first one is, what is your current posture towards, un, towards your unbelieving neighbors? Second question, what do your current routines and structures reflect about your views and feelings towards hospitality? What do your current routines and structures reflect about your views and feelings towards hospitality? And then finally, what shifts need to be made in your life? Thanks for hanging out with us this week. I'm going to go take off the super hot sweater and, and get back to my routines, but also finding ways and shifting my own life uh, to allow for some holy disruption. So we're excited about this series. We miss you guys like crazy. I love you guys. And I'm so excited for hearing how God's going to continue to move us from being people that move from love over fear to being people of knowing how to love our neighbors well. We'll see you guys next week.